Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Turn to Matthew 21. We'll start there, and we're going to just go quickly from Matthew to Mark to Luke to John, where we'll conclude today. So let me show you this. In Matthew 21, it says, verse 1, When they had approached Jerusalem, it says, and come to Bethpage, at the Mount of Olives, it says, Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there, a colt, with her, and untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately they will send them. So this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. This is the quote of Zechariah 9.9. It says, And the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt. They laid their coats on them. And he sat on the coats. And most of the crowd spread out their coats in the road. And they cut branches from the trees and they spread them in the road and cr the crowds were going ahead of him and those who followed they were shouting hosanna hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest and when he had entered jerusalem it says the city was stirred and they said who is this and the crowds were saying this is the prophet jesus from nazareth of galilee then Jesus, it says, he entered the temple and he drove out all who were buying and selling in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those that were selling the doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And you are making it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. So Jesus healed them. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is because this is a different little nugget that is pointed out by matthew in the other accounts they don't point out that jesus had the blind and the lame coming and jesus healing them but one thing they do have in common is that they all mention this thing of jesus going into the temple and chasing out these guys that were making merchandise on this day it's very interesting to me jesus is fulfilling a great prophetic word about the coming Messiah. And on the day that he fulfills it, when he takes this little baby donkey ride, he's going to ride up to the temple and he's going to go into the temple and be used to cleanse the temple. Now, let me show you. Go to Mark's gospel. The same, this same sister passage is shared with us in Mark chapter 11. It says, and so, and it, it reads really similar, except for a few details. Let me show you what Mark points out. It says, as they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage, they approached Bethany near the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples, said to them, go into the village opposite you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. Now, this is one of the things different in Mark's gospel than in Matthew's. Mark points out that how are they going to find the donkey in the village? How would they know where it is? By the way, did Jesus know where the donkey was? I want to point some things out to you. The, the difference of perspective. Did these guys know what was going on versus did he know what was going on? 
Because today is a great day to point this truth out, is that does the Lord know all things? Does he know everything, where, where our provisions are, where, where the things are, what we're going to need for life? Does he know? Yes. Did they? No. But to make sure that they would know where the donkey was, Jesus says, go into the village opposite us, right over there, and immediately as you enter it, you will find the colt tied there. So, in other words, you don't have to go wandering all around the village to find the mama donkey with its baby. You will find it right as you enter. Right there. Go in and there. Just look. Now, he doesn't say right side or left side, but he just says right there. They go in, it says, and, and I like this, verse 3. Now, we don't know who the two fellows that got assigned the task. Was it Peter and James or John? or It seemed like those guys were the inner circle, probably. I suspect Peter was one of them. I can't prove it. I just think because I know the gospel of Mark was Mark. Where did he get his information from? From Peter. And so when you read the gospel of Mark, there's like these little subtle things that that speak about things that Peter knew. And they, they're they like real personal little things, little things that none of the other gospel writers write. Look at this account and tell me if you think maybe Peter might have been one of the two. They were told, if Jesus said, if anyone, verse 3, says to you, why are you doing this? Then you will say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. And they went away and they found the colt tied at the door, it says, outside the street, and they untied it. But some bystanders were, were saying to them, what are you doing untying? By the way, if you're untying a, a donkey from someone's place and starting to lead it away, do you understand that in, in their culture, this is, this is like grand theft larceny. I mean, this, this, is, this is stealing. This account tells us that the two of them went and they were stopped. Matthew didn't point this out. So I know just from the Gospel of Matthew, this extra little detail that the two guys that were sent on the job, they actually did get stopped as they were untying the colt. I wonder what was going through their minds as they're going to the village going, the Lord said, go get the baby donkey. No one's ever sat on it. This is a little kooky. What happens when we start to untie? You are, you're going to untie it, right? And when we get there and we, they untie it, and it says right here, and they said, what? Stop, what are you doing? Now, Matthew just said, and they came back with the donkey. The reason I think Peter might have been one of the guys is because this little detail is recorded here. Somebody on the inside who went to get the donkey knows the part of the story that when they were taking the donkey, when they were untying it, they actually got stopped. And by the way, in the Middle East, if you're taking someone's donkey... What do they have the right to do to you for thievery? I mean, what, what's their custom? They'll, they'll either cut off body parts or they'll cut right here and end your life. I mean, depending on the severity of what they feel you've done is wrong, you can lose your life for, for this kind of theft. Mark tells us they did it. They stopped them. What are you doing? And I don't know if they both chimed in. Uh, the Lord has need of it. I mean, come on, how, how confident do you think they were at this point as they're stealing in their culture? That's stealing. The Lord has need of it. And listen, Mark tells us that as soon as they spoke this, it says they gave them permission. Okay, go ahead. 
Now, can you imagine walking back with the donkeys? Come on, let's go. Could you believe it? It worked. Come on, let's get out of here before they change their mind. What would you be thinking as you're all the way walking back across the wash, back up to the other hill, bringing the donkey to Jesus? You get going and you're you're bringing this donkey to the Lord and going, wow, it worked. We just we just stole a truck and all we did was say the Lord has need. Now don't be stealing trucks today and saying the Lord has need of it. Use that as your excuse. This is just to show the power of our God. When it comes to him knowing what we need, where that thing is that we need, how to get that resource to us, even to do something that to my natural mind, this is crazy. So this is really, to me, a remarkable point that Mark is pointing out to us. Now it says, they brought the colt to Jesus. They put their coats on it. Mark 11 says in verse 8, it says that then many spread out their coats in the road and they spread out leafy branches. Now, just keep this in mind. There's a group in front shouting Hosanna, putting down branches. There's a group in back shouting Okay, I'll, I'll tell you why I think this is remarkable too in just a minute. And they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's, by the way, Psalm 118, verse 26. It's just a quote, they're, they're a fulfillment here. And that, by the way, that psalm is a prophetic psalm. It says the Messiah would come and they would cry. So this is really significant. They're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Here they are crying this out. And Jesus enters the temple, came into the temple, looking around at everything. And then he left for Bethany. And if you read on, it says, and then he came to the temple and he drove out the money changers, told them, this is my father's house. It's a house of prayer. Same thing included. Oh, and then there was the one with the withered hand. And of course he fixed that. And Now just remember, this one told us the two fellows did get stopped. Let me show you something from Luke's gospel. In Luke's chapter 19, same sister passage. It says, when they approached Bethany, verse 29, Luke 19, 29, they, they came near the mount called Olivet. He sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. As you enter, you'll find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Bring it here to me. Listen, Jesus, couldn't you have said, get the donkey that everyone has ridden? It'll make a great ride into... No, because Zechariah said he would come humble on this colt of a foal on which no one, this is really important, no one has ever sat. You say, why is that important to the story? I'm going to show you. It says here, and if anyone asks you, why are you untying the donkey? Verse 31, you say to him, the Lord has need of it. So, those were sent away and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said to them, what are you doing untying that colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt. Pay attention. Mark said the same thing. They put the coats on the colt. There was other people putting their coats on the ground. with the. It's not just, it's not just branches they threw down. They should have made Palm Sunday coats and, and palm branches. And it didn't sound as good as, you know, coat Sunday. Because no, they, they were throwing their coats down too, weren't they? In front of him. This was, a, by the way, if you threw your coat down 
for a little donkey to step on. I mean, what were you saying about the person on the donkey? He's worthy of something. I mean, you're, you're giving the acknowledgement that you're willing to take your own coat and throw it down to pave the way. I mean, remember, they had dirt streets back then. For them to throw their coat down, this is where chivalry comes in. But in, in this case, it's not chivalry like a guy laying it down over the puddle for the gal to get across. This is, this is a mark of respect saying, this is a king. And I'm willing to take my very coat and lay it out so that he gets, like we'd say, the red carpet treatment. Only it was their very coats they were putting down on the ground. They were saying, this is a king coming. A king. But he's riding a ride that nobody's ever taken for a ride. And they're putting coats on the back of it. And he, it says, was going. And as he was, they were spreading the coats in the road. And as soon as he was approaching, verse 37, near the descent of the Mount of Olives, going down that descent, the whole crowds of the disciples began to praise God. It says, joyfully, with a loud voice, for all the miracles which they had seen. And they were shouting. It wasn't, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were shouting, Hosanna. They're crying out. And it says, blessed is he, the, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory to the highest. And some of the Pharisees of the crowd, they said to, to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to quit crying this out. And Jesus said to them, I tell you truly, if these were to become silent, the very stones would cry out. That's why I always make the joke, that would be a real rock concert, wouldn't it? Because this day, what we're studying about, this is a very significant day. This was the coming of Jesus to this world saying, here I am, I've come to save. But not like they're thinking save us from oppression of the, of the government. He's going to save them from oppression of sin. That sin and the, and the work what Satan had done to bind these people in bonds, he's going to set them free from that. So it says in verse 41 of Luke 19, when he had approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. Now the other guys don't tell us this. Just Luke. Luke says when he saw the city, he started weeping. And he spoke these words. He said, if you had known this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now it's been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemy will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave it with one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And then it says, he entered the temple. You guys know the whole rest of it. Drives out the guys, says, this is my father's house. It's a house of prayer. Now, each one of the gospel accounts throw this part in. Must be important. I don't know why, but I don't remember too many Palm Sunday messages where they mention this part. It's like they stop before they get to the part that's, I think, pretty important. You know, why would Jesus go in and say, get rid of this money changers and this, and this merchandising going on? This is my father's house. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. What, what would Jesus do today if he came into some of the American churches? I mean, you get in the foyer, right? There's the bookstore with all of the 
latest Christian T-shirts and and I, I call it Jesus junk. All the you know, you got a Jesus cup, a Jesus pen, a Jesus anything you can slap Jesus' name on. Marketers have done so. And where are they selling most of that Jesus junk? In the foyer of a church. In America, not 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 globally. I'm just talking about American Christianity. And face it, we got to own up to it. We do it. And you come into the foyer. I, I wonder what Jesus would do if he came in, like, just a visit. Stop by, donkey ride. Just rides over to the American church. Hey, guys, whoa. What's this stuff? What do you think he would do? I think he'd throw it out. I think he'd be like, wait a minute. What, what does this have to do with people's desire to seek God? You've taken the desire of people to draw near to God and taken it as an opportunity to make fortune. That's not what it's about. Jesus got really upset. I don't know if you realize this, but he, well, let me just show you. In John's gospel, one little extra detail. Last one here, John chapter 12. Jesus, therefore, it says in John chapter 12, go to verse, John 12, verse nine. There was a large crowd it says, of the Jews that had learned that Jesus was there. And they came not just for Jesus' sake only. Now, here's something that none of the other guys pointed out. How big was the crowd? Large. And why were they all there? Well, only John mentions this, that they were there not for only for Jesus' sake, but they wanted to see someone else. Do you see who it is? They want to see Lazarus whom Jesus had raised from the dead. The bummer comes next. I cannot believe, I mean, I can believe, but it's just, it saddens me to think what John tells, the next detail he tells in this gospel account is that the, the people wanted to see Jesus and Lazarus, but the chief priests, the guys Jesus has already ticked off by throwing out of the temple, right? The, the merchandising going on. Jesus is not so popular with them. The chief priests, it says, they have planned also to put who to death? Not no, no, we know they were planning to kill Jesus, right? But if you didn't read John's gospel, you wouldn't know this little detail. They were also planning on killing Lazarus. Again, because on account of him, it says, many of the Jews were going away and believing in this Jesus. There's a stirring. The people are excited, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. The religious leaders are telling shut, tell them to shut up. And Jesus says, if I do, there'll be a rock concert. They'll cry out, Hosanna. This day has to happen. And he's telling them these things, and they're going, man, we're going to kill this guy, and we're going to kill that other guy who's already dead, but we're going to kill him again, make him dead again. So he has the power over death and life. He can take dead and resurrected to life. But because Jesus did this resurrection, there was crowds gathering, large crowds. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is large crowds putting garments on the donkey, putting garments on the road, putting branches in the road, and what were they doing with their voices? Shouting. And Jesus is about to get on a donkey that no one has ever ridden i've been on a farm where we break horses and you do not try to break horses with a rodeo going on around you 
You do not try to break horses when there's a lot of noise or gunshots or it's hunting season. You break horses when it's quiet and everything's calm. In fact, the more calm you can get it, the better. This is not something you do with a parade going on. Why do I point out all these things? Because the guy we're talking about, he could heal the sick. We saw it in the first account. He raised the dead. He made the blind guy to see. Calm seas. Yeah, I did that one. And he calmed a donkey that no one had ever sat on. When you say, what's the big deal about this? I was on a farm. I know. This is crazy. But it's not because it shows something that we need to recognize. He is the king of kings. He's the master. When he comes into the circumstance, things that we would say that you, you don't do that. You can't do that. When you're the master of the universe, can you ride a donkey that no one else has ever ridden? Will the donkey submit to you if you're the king of kings? The Lord of lords. Yes. This is some of the things that sometimes it goes right over city folks' head. They don't even recognize. This is a miracle that he rode that donkey with all the noise, all the shouting. And that donkey just said, okay. And took him right into Jerusalem, right up to the temple, right up to his appointment where he would tell him, get out. You guys that are making merchandise of the gospel, get out of here. This is not what it's about. This is my father's house, and it's a house of prayer. Palm Sunday should spur us to that place where we go to prayer. This should be a day where we celebrate. The Lord came, but he reminded us what his father's house was really about. A, a house of prayer for how many nations? All nations. That's what we should be praying for is all the nations. Now it says here, verse 16 of John 12. Let me just end with this. It says, these things his disciples did not understand at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that he had done these things. These guys, they did not get it. By the way, if you read your Bible, you don't get it at first. Don't worry. You're in good company. The apostles, the A-team, they didn't get it. And they were there right there with Jesus. Even after he's gone, it says, it took a little while they remembered that he had done these things, that these things were written of him. Isn't it interesting how some of the things of the Spirit are just designed in such a way that we don't get what God's doing, even while he's doing it right in front of us? Anyone can give an amen to that? where God has done something in your life, you did not even know what was going on. You didn't even see it coming. And he's going, I got it. And later you learn that he had that already figured out. Like how much of this story do you think Jesus had figured out? Did Jesus know where the donkey was? Did Jesus know that they were going to be stopped? Yeah, because he went to said, when they ask you, what are you doing on tying the donkey? You tell them this. The Lord has need of it. So he knew that they were going to be stopped. Did he know that the people are going to be making noise? Did he know that the religious guys, they weren't happy about him? 
But did that stop Jesus? No. He he knows this whole circumstance. Now his disciples don't understand it at this point. Like we don't sometimes. We don't understand what God's doing sometimes. We don't even get it. We're like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I'm lost here. I'm I'm having trouble. Anyone ever felt like that in your Christian walk? Just me, right? Only the pastor. The rest of you are all good, golden. We have some days where we're just like, Lord, what are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. I don't get it. And Lord goes, don't worry. You will. You will. This is the part I want to encourage you. Sometimes you don't understand the things that the Lord is doing at the time he's doing it. And you won't understand them till later. You know that saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. We We see stuff way better sometimes in retrospect than we do when we're going through it. But let me assure you, it's really important we pay attention to one key figure in this story, and that's Jesus. Because Jesus knew what was going on the whole time. He's the only one in the story who actually knew what was going down. And he's the one I want to steer you to today. I want to turn your attention heavenward to our risen Lord. Next week, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord's Easter. So we're going to look at some parts of the scripture celebrating him rising from the dead. But he knew even at this point, as he's riding in and they're crying, Hosanna, save now. He was going to save now. He was going to save from our sin. Don't worry, he'll come a second time on that stallion, that, that white flying horse we read in Revelation. He'll be back. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, celebratethelord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.